helping realtors on Vancouver Island stay connected, current, and on the cutting edge. This is the Vancouver Island Real Estate Show. Here's your host, Braden Wheatcroft. Good morning, everyone. This is the Vancouver Island Real Estate Show, and I'm your host, Braden Wheatcroft. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, today, we're here to spend a little bit of time on a, a, a conversation point that I don't think is, has been discussed enough recently. Uh, if you're reading the headlines in the real estate industry from the past uh, 12 months, you know that there's been a lot of conversation in the industry and, and frankly, on, on the show around uh, the, the provincial NDP government's housing policies and the effect that they are having, as well as the superintendent of real estate and real estate council's changes to how we as realtors can serve our clients and the debate of whether or not that uh, enhances consumer protection or restricts our consumer's choice. Today, we're going to talk about the third tip of that sphere that's been jabbing Vancouver Island realtors, which is financing. Uh, you know, just anecdotally chatting with a lot of my colleagues in the office, uh, whether it's online or offline. I am hearing a lot of people talk about uh, financing being a challenge for many of their clients. I, I've heard many sales falling apart due to financing. And although that may not be entirely um, unique, I think financing is probably one of the main drivers of collapse sales just always. It does seem that there's a bit of a tone right now where many people uh, are, are saying that it, it's happening more frequently. So we're here uh, with someone who I really look up to in this space and, and frankly look up to in general. And, uh, and he's going to help us wrap our heads around what are what are going on in, in the financing sector, specifically with real estate and specifically with mortgages. Um, so please uh, join me in welcoming Mr. Adam Howerluck. He works based out of Nanaimo with DLC Canadian Mortgage Experts. In uh, the 2017 edition of the Canadian Mortgage uh, professional magazine. He was actually rated one of the young guns, which kind of bothers me because he's older than me. So I don't really know how, how young he is, but regardless, uh, he's based out of Nanaimo. Uh, he's a platinum producing producer, uh, mortgage broker, which sounds impressive. I don't actually know what that means, but maybe exactly. he can explain. Perfect. Yeah. Your mic is hot, just so you know, Adam. Uh, he's recently created a team, uh, three people, including himself, his wife and business partner, Michelle, as well as his all-star administrator, now recently turned mortgage broker, Pauline. So very exciting um, small business growing in town. And he's also served in many community organizations, including being the president of uh, the Young Professionals of Nanaimo, as well as being a board of director on the Community Futures uh, Central Vancouver Island. In fact, fun fact, the Young Professionals in Nanaimo is actually how Adam and I met. We were both uh, volunteers with that organization. So with all that being said, please join me in welcoming Mr. Adam Howerluck. Adam, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Braden. Beautiful so, introduction. Uh, I think I look up to you. Actually, you got two inches or so on me. I don't feel like you look up to me that much, but, yeah. but I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to start off by saying thanks for having me on. Like it's a it's a real wow. honor. I think this is an awesome. It's really cool not only to to see this kind of thing being curated, but also for you to be doing it. I think this is awesome. a feather in your hat. So congratulations for pulling the trigger on this. Awesome, man. Well, I I uh, well, we won't bore the audience with with our uh, reminiscing, but I will say you and I have been talking about doing something like this for a couple of years now. So finally, we got off our butt and uh, are executing. So. Thanks for being a part of that. Yeah, uh, 
as we were preparing for today's conversation, you shared an interesting article with me where it outlined um, the fact that since 2008, there have been 60 different lending restrictions placed on Canadian potential Canadian home buyers uh, and homeowners. My first question is, is the Office of Superintendent of Financial Institutions trying to put you out of business? He's trying. Not, not, not getting there, but trying. <laughs> that, uh, that's a lot of restrictions. 60 since uh, yeah. 2008. Yeah, I think that was based on, uh, you know, the governments across Canada in general. So they're taking into consideration, um, you know, the home buyer's tax, the foreign buyer tax and whatnot too. But yeah, it's it, they've, they've really taken it as a uh, mandate to, to slow down the the housing market for sure. And, and what do you, you think is the main uh, motivation for that? Is it consumer household debt they're trying to restrict? Is it just they feel that the prices are, are escalating too quickly? Like what, what's driving these restrictions? I think, I think there's, I mean, the, the biggest one is obviously we've had the, the, the housing crisis in the States beside us. So recently that's still in everybody's minds. So they're very mindful of making, you know, trying to, trying to show that they're making every effort possible to avoid that in the future. Um, but I think it's very, I think it's very a hot topic. It's very political. It hits people very close to home. It's very visceral. So um, I think it's a very easy piece to, to try and put your mark on how it is that you're helping uh, theoretically helping keep the housing market in, in, uh, in check or, or keeping houses theoretically affordable whether they're doing that or not that's not what i'm talking about here but that's, i think they're that's what they're more in their intent is it seems like fair fair enough and uh we obviously don't have the time today to go through the last 59 changes but let's talk about the 60th one um there was a lot of talk uh, i'm not sure when the policy was actually announced but i do remember uh, a lot of build up in the later part of last year where you know mortgage brokers and and uh, realtors were talking about you know it's important to get into the market before the end of the year because X is going to happen come January. So can you tell us a little bit about what X was, like what policy came into place as of January? Yeah, I mean, the biggest one in January. So so really what this is, is all about the qualifying rate. It's how individuals qualify for a mortgage. And the government was putting more and more restrictions on um, on how that happens. The increasing the threshold that they need to meet to be able to qualify for for the dollar amount that they're looking for. Uh, the biggest part of that, so the change actually came in, the first part of the change came in in October 2016, where the government mandated that any CMHC insured mortgages need to qualify at this qualifying rate. So if you had less than 20% for a down payment, you needed to now meet a higher threshold. You need to go for a qualifying rate rather than just the rate of your contract. We've already got you know what's called debt servicing levels or debt servicing ratios that we need to meet to figure out whether or not people qualify, but they made this debt servicing ratio that much harder to, to obtain. So in 2016, they made that rule for CMHC insured mortgages. And then in January, January 1st, 2018 here, they made that, they put that rule down for all mortgages, not just with less than 20% down, but refinances, people who are buying with 50 or 60 or 70% down still need to be qualified under these new rules, which really does change the, the, the dynamic. Let's just say uh, I could probably get a 3% interest rate from you, yeah. or 35 but the posted rate might be 5%. 
yeah. my debt ratio, my debt service ratio has to fly under that bar using the five percent rate. Exactly, exactly. It's hedging for the future inevitability of higher interest rates is what they're trying to do. They're trying to make sure that people they're they're stress testing people for rates because they're saying today's rates are unusually low. This can't be sustained. Will you still be able to afford this property come five years down the road, three years down the road when your mortgage matures and you now need to potentially requalify? Is that going to be where you're going to be at least subject to new interest rates, the interest rates of that day? Is that going to really um, hurt you? Is that going to put you out of your ability yeah. to, to you know, have a house? And something interesting you said there was it's not just for new applications, it's also for refinances. So, I mean, how how does that work? I mean, can can a person find themselves on the wrong side of that debt service ratio because their mortgage is coming up for renewal? They can. And then we've seen it a number of times already where people couldn't qualify on today's rules. They couldn't qualify for the mortgage that they have currently. So the... The unfortunate part about that is that that means that sometimes people will be stuck with their current lender and not have the ability to look at other lenders to consider what um, what other options are out there, whether it's different contract lengths, different lenders, different terms, different interest rates. So unfortunately, if you're stuck with, if currently you're with bank A and due to the new rules, you can't move your mortgage because you can't qualify for banks B, C, or D. Now bank A uh, has a lot of leverage on you and they might not be as willing to play fair and uh, give you the lowest interest rates possible if they know that you can't go anywhere else. So I think that's a really um, uh, inherent flaw in this in this system that doesn't that, that seems to work the opposite way of pursue, uh, protecting consumers. It's more uh, inhibiting their options. Mm-hmm. Limiting consumer choice seems to be a thing our government's uh, really good at right now, but that's a topic for another day. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious. I mean, I, I know your business has really hit its stride in the last couple of years. Uh, you, you're doing a lot of, of volume through your brokerage. Can you tell me what your experience was like in the last quarter of 2017? Like, did people really heed the advice of things are going to get tough? as of January, get in now? Like, what, what was the last quarter of 2017 like? And, and maybe contrast that to the first quarter of 2018 when these new rules came into play. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean the, the rush that we had coming through prior to December 31st or January 1st, 2018 here, uh, it was big. There was a lot of people trying to, trying to um, at least determine whether or not it made sense for them to move on something at that point in time or whether or not it doesn't make a difference and you're just going to be dealing with the new rules no matter what. So there's no rush to get in, to get in before uh, the end of the year, but it definitely made a, a big glut. We had so many lenders that were backed up so far. The insurers were backed up. We were backed up because of the, the sheer volume. You, you, you can't, you don't have a, a, a business built to handle that size of volume, which only will happen in, in a rare case like that. So uh, it was, it didn't work well for anybody. It sounds like that was a stress test for your business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was it was fine, but it wasn't fun. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. So I, I wonder because I know that we've had some pretty historic sales activity in in the last couple of years. How much of that market was sort of artificial in the last quarter because people were actually rushing to get in? Like, if you could put a, a percentage on 
all your clients who got into the market, how many of them do you think their hand was forced in in the last quarter versus the ones who were just planning on buying in, you know, October, November, December? Yeah, I'd, I'd say there was, a, there was a good amount. But that being said, I mean, the beginning of this year has still been quite strong, at least anecdotally from where I'm sitting. Um, like I said, some people just couldn't make a move at that time. So they just had to play by the rules, the new rules anyway. So there wasn't much for them to do. And, and you know, this this first quarter would have been up, um, you know, 30, 40% over last year. So we're not seeing a real slowdown in that in 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 mortgage activity, whether that's buying properties, buying, you know, rental properties or, or refinancing. And just to clarify that, so I, I know that your business has, has been in a steady, um, you know, steady growth now for a couple of years, but is, is that what you're saying, your own personal experience, or is that, you know, talking with peers in the industry, like just in general, this is what people in the lending space are, are finding going on right now? Uh, definitely my business. Uh, some I would say to an extent across the across the board, I've heard a lot of a lot of talk that things are still really busy in the mortgage mm-hmm. uh, the mortgage side. We've got a lot of new developments coming on. We just did a we had a CMHC come through and do a presentation, and they said that we still have some significant new build uh, numbers coming through for 2018 2019. So um, I don't think it's gone away entirely. Okay. Very good. Very, and so if you can look into the next, you know, six to nine months of the year, um, how do you see the changes that came into effect January affecting the year? Like what, what kind of year can we expect to see? Yeah, it makes for, it makes for a different, a different year. I mean, um, industry wise, like, you know, we were talking, you were saying off the bat, I mean, financing as a condition on, on a purchase and whatnot is going to be challenging. Um, there's because of these new rules and because most of the people haven't experienced them yet, there's always, there's going to be a gap there between what they expect and reality. So it's a lot of education. I think, I think the realtors that you work with and that, you know, might be listening to this would agree that there is a ton A person's business needs to be based on, on education because the buyers, uh, they, they really, they really need it. And, and, and I think that they want it. Okay, great. And, you know, we alluded to in the, in the promo leading up to today's conversation about the three reasons why your buyers are getting financing. Um, you know, what are those three reasons? And, and then maybe we can start talking about some solutions that real estate professionals watching can start deploying in their business. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying, it's not only of our buyers, but the, the, the buyers or or borrowers that we see come from other institutions or, or, you know, from, from, from quote unquote, their, their bank where they've let, you know, they've walked away or haven't been given the financing that they thought they were going to be getting from that bank. And they've come to us, uh, you know, the, the main one, the, the number one by far is lack of due diligence. Mm-hmm. And I think that that falls on everybody's plates um, because I believe that a lot of people put in offers on properties. They buy with their hearts, not with their heads. So they might find, you know, a place that they love and they want to put an offer on it. And because of the industry that we're, or the the market that we're sitting in right now, there is less of time to, to, to wait around. and, And maybe that house will still be here in, you know, two weeks time once we've figured out whether or not you can get financing for this. So uh, I see a lot. I see there's there's a sense of urgency from the clients, 
And I see there's a sense of urgency or it tends to be a fair amount from the realtors as well uh, because they've seen the market and they know that these houses go quickly. So um, so there's there's no chance for due diligence there. And then when they get to us, you know, they've come to us, either, you know, the first discussion might be, hey, we want to, you know, we've got an offer on a house. Uh, I work as a, you know, uh, butterfly catcher and my husband works, you know, sharpening pencils and, you know, we make $10,000 a year. And so that's a very uh, frustrating for them and I'm sure for the realtor and for us to be now dealing with that where they have an accepted offer on a place already. And now you're trying to go, you know, trying to get expectations in line because they've already built up these expectations themselves. So, so you're saying the number one reason why people aren't getting financing is not doing their due diligence. Yes, without a doubt. Every, everybody not doing their due diligence. It's, you know, a lot of times they'll, even a client will have gone into quote unquote their bank and mm-hmm. said, Hey, I'm looking to buy a house. What can I get pre-qualified for? And the bank says, how much do you make? And they say around $80,000. And the bank person says, well, you should be able to buy something about $400,000, you know, $4,000 purchase price. Go in, you know, they talk to the realtor. Realtor says, have you talked to your bank? bank uh, The individual says, yeah, talk to them. They said I can buy $400,000. They go put an offer in a place and you figure out, figure out that that bank person didn't do any due diligence. That that you know they didn't provide any you know the the borrower didn't provide any documentation they haven't checked credit they they didn't actually maybe work at that time maybe that job wasn't as as solid as they thought and whatever there's there's a ton of reasons why it could mm-hmm. um, it could collapse so so it's not always on the individual they might feel like they're doing their due diligence because they went to their bank and the bank told them they could borrow four hundred thousand. Unfortunately, is that, is that the difference between pre-qualification and pre-approval, or are those just one and the same? Unfortunately, the terms are used interchangeably. Uh, but what I like to say is that I, I want to I want to pre-qualify my clients. I want to do all the due diligence upfront as much as possible. I want to I want to check, make sure that the income is as we think it is, the down payment is as we think it is, the the credit. And, and make sure that we're on the we're on the 95 yard line, and that the property itself, making sure that the property itself is suitable for financing, uh, is just that last five yards to get us into the end zone. Um, a lot of times, when you just go into the bank and you ask, you know, can I get, can I, what can I qualify for? And they say 400,000. You know, you're still at the 10 yard mark. Like you have not even, they haven't even gone through any of the work that needs to be done to actually give you a real, a real answer. Yeah, I, I remember the the, the biggest um, shock that I had was was a uh, someone I was working with, a buyer. Uh, she was a nurse, and um, it was when I first realized what permanent part time was, and and how you know on paper she was making a, a very good income, had a very healthy down uh, payment, and then when the deal was accepted, we realized that the lender would only recognize her part time hours, even though she was working full time and overtime. Yeah. And and then the, the the kicker was that her down payment was actually uh, gifted from her parents, which was also not recognized. Yeah, yeah, and that's just it's just another piece to the puzzle that maybe wasn't brought up up front, and you don't even realize that it's a it's a part of the equation, but but it ends up being. Yeah, it's it's. I, uh, I'm uh, just uh, just want to ask. I'm getting some feedback. I'm hearing myself in my speaker here. I don't know if you could turn your speaker down a little bit. Yeah. 
Good thing I'm interviewing you. <laughs> Can you still hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, that's that's all but perfect. Thank you. So, okay, so number one is lack of due diligence. What's the second main reason why buyers are not getting financing in 2018? Yeah, I mean, the second reason is what we've kind of talked about at the beginning <clears throat> is that lenders have really tightened their their um, their rules, what they'll accept, what they won't accept. You know, these new mortgage rules coming down from the government and then being uh, laid to the lenders to to implement as they see fit, essentially, uh, you know, to play within this box that they've been created um, means that that we're seeing a lot of lenders now not being willing to take uh, clients that even last year that they would have been okay with, even though it's not a specific rule from the government, uh, because they know that they, they're they now getting the more of the cream of the crop clients. They can be a little bit more picky and choosy about what it is that they do and don't want to do. So um, we've definitely seen these these new mortgage rules have changed the landscape of how lending is is uh, is, is working right now. And, and that means that some lenders some lenders are really tightening up what they are wanting for for applicants uh, as far as you know maybe maybe whether or not they want just CMHC insured lenders uh, borrowers or maybe they just want um, you know they need minimum 25 30 percent down those kinds of things that would really um, really affect a person's borrowing ability uh, come come time to buy a place yeah. So a challenge like that is would be hard for a real estate agent to work around because we we uh, don't have the ability to to change the policy at hand. So how what would you do if we're thinking sort of solution focused in terms of you know here's what we can do to try to address that particular challenge? And you can't say go talk to a mortgage broker. So I'm going to make you work for it here. <laughs> uh, I think I think like I said in the beginning, I mean realtors have an opportunity to be the professionals, to be the, the, um, the guide in this very confusing and kind of scary situation. So if the realtors understand that there might be a little bit more to this than what a person buying, even if they bought two years ago, there have been big changes since then. So if they understand that, that clients very well could be dealing in a very different uh, paradigm then making sure and walking the clients through you know these are the, not necessarily knowing all the rule changes but saying you know rule changes have happened qualifying even for the best applicants has still changed so we want to make sure that everything uh is is uh in as good a position as possible before a person puts an offer on a place so unfortunately that means uh, taking a little bit more time but the best part is, is that you get happier clients. Uh, I think any any person in business would way rather have happy clients than trying to push through um, purchases or, or or sales that that just don't happen or or they frustrate the the client. Even if it does go through, but it took you know they thought they were going to get a mortgage at three point five percent, and they ended up having to get uh, a B lender at. 4.79% with a 1% fee and the client's going, well, that's not exactly what I thought I was going to be getting myself into here. So, so there is an opportunity, I think, for, for, for the real estate agents to really uh, provide that guidance as well through the process. Mm -hmm. And you said you're talking about the, um, 
the I can't remember the exact word you used, but something to the effect of like the the better applicants, so uh, that are being affected by these changes. And and I, I think just circling back to what you said 10, 15 minutes ago was like we're now seeing people who have 30 or 40 percent down having to still qualify at posted rates. Is that absolutely? And that yeah. that must be a bit of a shock to anyone because there's always it's always felt like there's been sort of two tiers of uh, borrowers. You know, you have the people who need CMHC help or Genworth. And and then you have the people who have, you know, 21% down and, and they're in a different caliber. Well, now they're facing the same restrictions as buyers uh, as everyone else was. Yeah, not only restrictions, but uh, the amount of work or documentation that it takes to get the 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 approval back. Which so There's just as many scruples in their, their vetting process as, as someone who's limping in with a 5% down. Exactly. Yeah, so it is. It's, it's, quite, it's quite a lot of arduous process there. Yeah, I'm sure that's probably surprised some of your clients who, you know, have had larger down payments who've come into your office, uh, you know, kind of just, yeah, where do I sign? And then you go, no, no, I need this, this, this and this from you. Like, what's that been like? Yeah, it's it's definitely, again, it's one of those pieces that that we need to do a good job of explaining it to clients up front. I understand that you, you know, you have a high net worth. Your income is fantastic. You know, um, you've bought five or six houses before I, you know, I, I get, I, we understand that, but this is the rule. You know, this is, this is the new, this is the new reality that we live in and we need to make sure that we're doing all, you know, we're, we're giving the client, doing the client a service by make sure they understand that this is what the process is going to look like. Cause if they think that it's going to look like one way and it's going to go another way, you know, that, that gap there is, is where we fall apart. Right. Okay. So we have lack of due diligence. Yep. We have the new stress test rules. What's the third main reason uh, why buyers are having trouble getting financing in 2018? And you can't say not using a mortgage broker. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I would say the biggest one is uh, the, the third one would be the domino effect. Making a house, you know, putting an offer in a house subject to the sale of their house. So as soon as they have other other uh, facets that need to line up to be able to make this all work, you know, inevitably somewhere along there in that domino, in that line of dominoes, somebody hasn't done their due diligence or, you know, a realtor maybe, you know, um, didn't understand what the difference between an authorized suite and a legal suite was and whether or not that makes a difference. You know, those just little pieces could tip over that entire line of dominoes. So all of a sudden, this sale can't go through because that sale didn't go through, and this purchase can't go through because this sale didn't go through, and and it, and it really has. I mean, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but that's what yeah. we see a, a, a number of. Yeah. You so, so even if you're a very diligent buyer or listing agent, you make sure that your transaction is fully vetted, pre-approved, ironclad. It could be someone three steps down the line who perhaps wasn't as diligent that causes the chain reaction. Exactly. And, and, and we have abilities. I mean, for, for a lot of borrowers, we have some different ways of structuring a purchase to be able to make it so that they don't have to sell their property, which would create a tighter contract, one would think. Um, but not everybody's doing that, right? Not everybody's able to do that. There's certain lenders that consider the rental income potentially from that property uh, differently than others. So, you know, whereas we might have and lenders that would be fine with not selling that property. If the other, you know, the other borrowers just went to bank A, uh, 
they might not look at that. They might be told, no, you have to sell your property before you buy this next one. And then that might be that domino that gets tipped over, right? Mm -hmm. But there are ways around it. Okay. And um, I want to just ask as well, um, thinking about, you know, I'm sure one of the questions, like when, when you're in, when people find out that you're in real estate, whether you're at a birthday party or a line in the grocery store, the very first question people always ask is, how's the market? Yeah. I imagine as a mortgage broker, you probably get asked the question, are rates going up <laughs> just yeah. as much? So yeah. you know, looking into your crystal ball, I know you spend a lot of time sort of reading industry news and, and keeping your finger on the pulse. Uh, what, what, are you, what are you seeing for interest rates as far as, let's say, the next 12 to 24 months, if you can look that far? Yeah. Um, you know, inevitably, there's a reason why, especially when the government says, hey, we want to qualify at these higher interest rates, because they know and they want, and they're the ones who have the ability to affect that change. They want higher interest rates. So, yes, inevitably, interest rates will go up. That is, we're, we are we are in a very low interest rate market still. I mean, we're not as low as we were a year, a year and a half ago, but we're still in a low interest rate market. Uh, but they are slowly rising and they will slowly rise, uh, you know, throughout this year and into next for sure. Um, you know, when you talk about whether rates are rising or not, you know, you're talking about a bunch of different factors with bond yields or the Bank of Canada's overnight rate. Um, but generally across the board, yes, we're seeing interest rates will be rising as the economy gets better. Um, but how fast, how soon, you know, at what rate, like you said, my crystal ball is as clear as yours. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, we we have it's it's a lot of it comes down to perspective, right? You know, we we uh, we have become a bit of a headline reading society, and you see the 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 rate hikes, you know, looming in the future. But then you all you have to do is look at a fifty year interest rate chart and look at how you know really fortunate we've been the last five, six years with rates as low as, as they have been. So, and also, um, and also a lot of times they, they look at, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, I saw one just the other day that TD had just increased their five-year fixed rate, you know, so that they look on the, you know, if you look on TD's website, it's, you know, you know I think it's 5.49 is what they have for a five-year fixed rate. And that's not reality because the only person who would get 5.49 from TD is either a schmuck off the street or somebody who's stuck with them because they had their mortgage there and now can't qualify with another lender. Um, because TD, just like any other lender, if, if their five-year fixed rates are more around the 33 to 3.5%. So they've just increased their posted rate, which is, again, an inflated rate that isn't used for much except for um, uh, calculating penalties and uh, and, you know, Maybe taking advantage of the, the the one or two people. Fantastic. So um, one of the things that we uh, that we share in common is our passion for business. We we talk a lot uh, in our in our weeks about you know how we can grow businesses and, and and always reading books and trading ideas. You shared something with me in our pre-interview call, a uh, business development strategy, and the stat that you shared was to me it it, it was kind of shocking. So can you maybe share uh, that with our audience? Yeah, yeah. So what we were talking about was the the report by actually it was by CIBC that said that approximately forty seven percent of mortgages 
are going to be coming to maturity in 2018. So that's huge. I mean, for my business, that means that there is, you know, 40% of 47% of people are now able to look elsewhere without penalty. They're able to look at other lenders, they're able to look at other products, they're able to look at you know either refinancing or paying down a big lump sum in their mortgage without penalty. And I thought for for the viewers here, the biggest piece of that is that at maturity, there is no penalty to pay off your mortgage entirely. So if somebody is considering selling their property, you know, if you could time a sale around the maturity of their mortgage, that is a huge benefit to the to the client, to the individual uh, who otherwise in other years might have to, you know, factor in a, a penalty of four to fourteen thousand uh, dollars into their decision making as to whether or not to sell their uh, their home or their rental home or what you know, whatever they have. Yeah, it it has uh, you know it can be a showstopper for some people. You get the call that said, hey, you know, we're we're thinking of selling our house and. You, you talk about their their mortgage and you know where they're at with it. They make a call to their broker or their bank, and then they find out that they're looking at a fifteen thousand dollar penalty. Well, you know, thank you very much. I think we'll stay put for a while. Um, so when you say like, uh, coming to maturity, just to clarify, that's not people paying off their mortgage. That's their three year fixed term or five year fixed term now completing. And, and presumably, if they were to stay put, they would lock in for another three or five years or whatever it is at the next at today's market rate. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my 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 uh, comparison is always to like a a hockey player. So a hockey player might right out of the draft sign up a five year contract with, let's say, the Oilers, and you know they might get stuck with the Oilers for five years. You know, four years into it, they're looking like, man, I really love to move to Vancouver, um, but to get out of the con, you know, they either can't get out of the contract or it's going to be really expensive. So, or, you know, the team wants to offload them, they can't. So they wait until the contract's up and they become a free agent and then they can look around elsewhere. So what we're talking about here is that end of the contract, they become a free agent and now you're able to look anywhere without, without, uh, with impunity. So help me uh, wrap my head around how the timelines work. So let's say uh, I have a mortgage coming up for renewal yeah. on July 1st. So being, you know, early May right now, there's about, say, approximately 60 days between now and July 1st. And then um, there would be the period of time after July 1st that I'm sure I'd have to lock in very quickly. Like, when would I be able to sell my house without a penalty? Yeah. So uh, what the, the ideal is, is, is get an idea of what that maturity date is. And then if you have an idea of what that maturity day is, the vast majority of lenders will allow you to renew your mortgage into an open mortgage. So uh, if you, if a person, you know, when your mortgage comes up to maturity, whatever lender you're with is going to send you a letter saying, hey, we see your mortgage is coming up for maturity. We'd love to lock you into another five years, just initial here, and we'll be, we'll be out of your hair. And you don't need to think about your mortgage again for another five years. And, you know, some people really like that. But if they've gotten a call ahead of time to say, hey, you know, are you, you said that you were thinking about selling your property or is this something that's even, you know, if a real estate agent calls them and says, are you even considering selling? Then what they can do is they can either time a sale. You could put it on the market before it comes to maturity and have the closing date be the day that it matures or have the closing date be sometime afterwards 
and just have the individual call their bank or their, their lender and say, hey, we're actually selling this property. We'd like to move it into an open mortgage. So an open mortgage means that there's no penalty to get out of it, to pay it out entirely at any point in time. Uh, it is typically a slightly higher interest rate, but it's based on a on a short-term basis, right? You'd only be looking at that for a couple of months to buy some time to sell the property or for the closing dates to line up or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't necessarily be in that higher interest rate forever. You know, you might be looking at five to six percent um, right. for that slight timeline there, but it's way better, way bigger savings than locking into another five year or three year and then having to pay a penalty. And how how far out can you ride on an open mortgage? Like if if you if it took a year to sell, that would be okay. Or yep, yeah. They're, I mean, they're typically they're fine with that. You you might have to renew. There might be some lenders will only allow six months open, and then you have to renew with another six month open because what they want to do is they want to get you into a fixed rate. They want to be able to bank on this again, right? They don't want to have this willy nilly out there. Um, that's not really how they make their money. So they want to lock you in. But yeah, if you wanted to, you have either the option of an open mortgage or a line of credit. You could move your, your entire mortgage potentially uh, into a line of credit structure, which again is a slightly higher interest rate, um, interest only payments, but no penalty to pay it out in its entirety at any point in time. So, and so why we look, we're looking at this as a great business development strategy is that, you know, in your database of past clients, there's almost a 50% chance that this year they could sell penalty free. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. You know, if that's not a reason to reach out to your database, I don't know what is. And, uh, and even, if, even if it's just the service of calling, saying, hey, did you know that this is what would happen? And this is how your maturity is going to go down. Or maybe you should talk to somebody about your mortgage and not just, and, and if I could impart one piece is please do not just let your clients sign the renewal letter that they get sent from their bank. It might be a great offer and that's fantastic, but if it doesn't get reviewed, if they just sign it, you know, alone at home without having anybody review it, uh, there's a good chance that they're going to get taken advantage of uh, because uh, you, you, you there's a cost to having no work right there's always it, it takes money to make money so mm -hmm. being able to you know just sign a paper is typically a lot of times going to cost them a lot more money than if they've done a little bit of research and and being able to say okay well i could just get a lower interest rate over here or a better mortgage product over there so worst case scenario just tell them about the fact that the mortgage coming to maturity is their opportunity to to have that you know open field discussion about where they want to go, what they want to do. So basically what you're saying is call a mortgage broker. I didn't say it. <laughs> I used that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate uh, all the insights. I think that that uh, little biz dev strategy at the end is, is very helpful. I think that could be a great value add, you know, find the article um, from CIBC uh, that yeah, was can, posted, you know, I can send you a link. Yeah, send me that. And then, you know, reach, I think it would be prudent for, for any realtor sending that out to educate themselves on open uh, mortgage um, renewals and just understand how that product works just so they're really clear. So when they're talking with their clients, they're not giving bad advice. And then they can, you know, transition that into a, a reason to reach out because, hey, you know, saving, you know, five ten thousand dollars $10,000 in an interest penalty is, is certainly a nice thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate you being a guest today, and I look forward to connecting with you soon. Yeah, here's a, just one second. Here's your. I found your rookie card. I think is this your rookie card? 
that, is that, that a faux hawk? <laughs> I don't know if that is that you. <laughs> the side by side. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I was I um I was really lucky. I was able to save my uh, high school prom photo and just repurpose it for my business card. So, yeah, uh, I, I I well, I learned that from you. You're a pretty frugal guy, so you know you got to oh. do it where you can. Yeah, it's getting personal on the Vancouver Brown Real Estate Show. Okay, I'm turning you off now. No Goodbye. worries. Thanks, buddy. Bye. All right, guys. There you have it. That is. Uh, Adam Howerluck, uh, mortgage broker extraordinaire from DLC, Canadian mortgage experts. He's based out of Nanaimo, uh, built a really great business for himself there. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had the, the good fortune of working with him on, on, uh, as, as the lender for many of my clients. So if you have any questions for Adam, reach out. His team there is there to help. If you have any questions for me, certainly reach out as well. I want to give you guys value every week on this show. And I've got some exciting guests coming up in the pipe. Next week, I uh, am going to take a little bit of break. Mandy and I are going to Palm Springs for a week, uh, recharge your batteries, work on this tan so you can actually see the difference between uh, me and, and the white wall that's usually behind me. So uh, I'm going to enjoy that and I'm going to look forward to seeing you guys soon. Bye for now.